What's up, everybody? This is Mind Your Money with Miss Be Helpful, a show that highlights people and stories that will inspire you to get your money right. And today, I have an Instagram friend turned actually into a real life friend. <laughs> today, I have Brittany from According to My Calculation. What's up, Brittany? Hey. This episode was actually recorded way back in the early pandemic days, like in March or April. So uh, since then, Brittany's life has changed a lot. She does not um, go by according to my calculation anymore on Instagram. Her new handle is at Brit Polanco. And she also had her baby, which we're going to talk about a little bit in this episode. Enjoy. I, um, I've been so excited to have you on. So for those of you who uh, have never heard of Brittany's story, obviously she's going to share it in a little bit, but uh, Brittany and I met on Instagram through like a lot of the personal finance and like definitely community posts. And, um, and then we met in real life at FinCon, which was so fun. And, um, I just knew that I had to have her on because her Instagram stuff is hilarious. It's growing so quickly and she just adds a lot of value with like her monthly challenges and stuff, which I really enjoy um, either participating in or watching from afar. Cause sometimes I'd be like, yeah, no, I'm not, I'm not going to commit. I'm not going to commit myself to that cause I already know I'm not going to do it. But, um, but yes, we'll talk about all that good stuff, but Brittany, let's start with some fun questions first and then we'll come back to the intro. What is a, an, a, a very expensive purchase that you made in your life that you think back on it and you just regret it completely. You wish you could just take it back and get that money back. Okay, so mine is actually extremely big. Um, I regret it, but I didn't regret it enough to get rid of it. Um, mm. But it was a super, super huge financial mistake that I made. Um, and that's my car. So I bought a car mm. in 2016. Yeah. And it was the first car that I ever bought. Um, I had gotten my license less than a year before that. And mm. I bought it brand new. So brand new, no previous owner. I just went into a lot and was like, I want that one. Um, did, you pay for, did you pay for it in cash? In yeah. Oh, no, okay. I didn't, okay. I didn't okay. Even put anything down on it. That's how bad it was. I put nothing down oh, on it. Wait. Oh, how old were you? I was 22. Oh, so that makes sense. I, 22. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was super young and like, I honestly had no idea about anything. Like both yeah. neither of my parents owned a car. Uh, so I just didn't know. And I was like, hey, yeah. I feel like I should have a new car. I mean, I don't want anyone else to have driven it before. So I'm just going to get this one. So I financed it um, with uh, my husband. And it, we had a 3.9% interest rate. And my car payment was $441. So I see 441, the number, a lot, all the time. And every time I see it, I'm like, that was my car payment. Car but, payment is haunting yeah, me. It definitely was. Um, and Ironically, I actually had lost my job a month after I bought that car. So it was a mess. It was a mess. But I'm happy to say it's paid off now. Um, And I still do own it. And I plan on owning it until it does not drive anymore. Yeah, um, bad, so you better drive it. Yeah, girl, you don't that have a choice. You gotta, yeah, you gotta, you gotta make that money worth it. You have to drive that car till it's falling apart while you're in it. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. I oh, like wow. when I will never probably will never buy a new car ever again because now I understand yes, um, that yes. it's really not that serious to buy a new car and you can have a used car that's nice that's the same thing and a lot less expensive so that's right again yeah that's right I mean well that's the thing you learn from the you learn from that and it's funny because I you know obviously I'm in New York City we don't 
need no car. We don't, we're going exactly, out with yeah. a car. It doesn't make sense to have a car unless, you know, it's, it's going to be a luxury that you're actually going to use. And so just, I hop on the subway. Most people in my family don't have a car. And then all of a sudden, as I started getting older, people started getting cars and they all lease cars. They like, they, nobody, I mean, very rarely have I seen them seriously researching to buy a certified pre-owned vehicle that is going to be good quality. Like it's just, I don't think most people who, you know, grow up in a regular environment, average family, would go through all that effort to find a car that's actually affordable and high quality. I think people are just like, this is just, if you want a car, you got to buy one, like a new one. Like, I think a lot of people just have had that mentality. Um, Cause yeah, I've heard that a lot from different women that I have, um, that I've interviewed so far that the car was something that they regret. And I've also heard that um, they didn't know that buying a, a brand new car was such a big deal that as soon as you drive mm-hmm. it off the lot, it depreciates like, but they didn't no idea. They don't know that. Right. So <laughs> Oh, it's scary stuff. Um, but I hear you, you know, sounds like you learned your lesson, girl. I will see yeah. you buying no new cars. Not never. Okay. <laughs> no. uh, okay. So what about on the flip side of that? What is the time that you bought something that maybe other people will look at your budget and think that it was a crazy, too expensive type of purchase, but you actually stand by that purchase and you're like, nah, Joe, that was worth it for me. Yeah. So for me, I think that's actually kind of a reoccurring expense. So mm-hmm. I'm not a very big, uh, Purchaser, um, you wouldn't be able to tell that from my very expensive car, but I, <laughs> I'm i not very big on like having things and buying things. So mine it would be my apartment. Um, so I'm really big on the space that I live in. Like I value that a lot because I'm a homebody. I like to be home. I'm an introvert. So being in a space that I love is really, really important to me. And I know some people would look at it and say, well, why don't you rent $200, $300 cheaper? And I could, but for me and for the things that I value, it just wouldn't be worth it. So that is definitely an expense that I think most people would think maybe that's a bit much, but for me, I'm completely comfortable with that because it's my highest value and I'm able to cut back on other things that I don't really care about so much that other people might. Um, so like what you said, I think that's like super, super big because we don't all understand why we buy the things that we buy because we're all different people. Um, that's right. But that's like my big thing and other people might not get it, but I never, ever, ever have regretted any of my apartments um, and spending a little bit more on them because I literally spend most of my time there. So yeah, pretty comfortable no. with doing that. It, it makes a lot of sense for you. That's just your yeah. thing. Like uh, Ramit Sethi was his big thing that he's always talked about since pff, he wrote his first book, whatever, you know, 10 years ago now, whatever. Um, but his whole thing is about money dial, right? Turning up your money dial in the places, in the categories of your budget that you freaking love and just get so much joy from. And then turning it down to a point where you're spending the minimal possible amount on those things that you don't care about. So, you know, you sounds like you already identified those things and you put, are able to then take all the money and just throw it onto spending extra on an apartment. And I, you know, I, I can relate to that because I'm not a, you know, a homeowner. I'm not like in real estate. I don't like, for me right now, I just throw all my money into the stock market and I just try to spend like very minimally. But I do like, because I split rent with my boyfriend, I have the past two or three apartments, we've tended to like go on the nicer side. Imagine if I was in an apartment that I really hated, my quality of life, your quality of life would really de- decline. So I think it makes sense to figure out uh, if that is what matters to you so much to have the space that you love to make sure that you crank up that money dial within reason. I mean, don't go spend it like oh, yeah. you know, $5,000 a month on an apartment. Yeah. That's just ridiculous. But um, yeah. okay. if you're out there spending $5,000 a month on an apartment, I really hope that that's only you know 40% of your 20, income. I mean, yeah. But do you, but I do you though? Sure. 
So yeah. do you I'll though? Do yeah. <laughs> I don't want to be I don't want to be telling anybody what to do, but I'm just saying like, it's a lot of money. All right, you better be a high income earner out there. Um, okay, so for anybody who does not know Brittany, obviously you can tell she's very real. She's very honest. She's just super chill, laid back, and I don't know. I feel like two things that I love and were struck by because of her personality when I actually met her in person was like one, I mean, and I could tell this from her Instagram, anybody who follows her on Instagram knows too, like when she doesn't really hold back, like she doesn't, she's very blunt in terms of like her honest opinion is going to come out. She's not going to sugarcoat it. She's not going to, you know, be all sweet about trying to, you know, be this way or that way. Like it's just, she's just going to say what it is. And I love that about her. Um, And the second thing is that she's so quirky. Like all of her Instagram stories are so fun to watch. Just like always little jokes here and there, funny faces. She's just like, literally you belong in the office because every time you're, you make faces to the camera, I'm like, this is hilarious. Hilarious. Uh, So I, I, I just, I love it. I love following you. I love seeing your little family grow. Um, and I just, yeah, I just want to make sure other people get to get a sense for what you're all about and what your growing Instagram brand has, um, has become. So go ahead and tell for people who have not, um, you know, seen your content before on Instagram, tell them why you chose to start it. And, um, yeah, and tell us a little bit about that. So basically I started when I began my Deathly journey. Um, I used it pretty much as a platform to document what I was doing. Um, and I did that because I wanted one, the accountability um, I also wanted the, uh, I wanted other people to know what I was doing because I felt like I actually started on my personal account. So I didn't create another account. So pretty much all my friends and family, I was like, Hey, this is what I'm doing. I'm paying off debt. And I thought that that was important for me to do because I wanted them to see that this is something that someone that they've known for so long that they've either grown up with or went to high school with. This is something that they're doing. Like they knew the person I was then and so they know that I'm just like some normal person, you know, it wasn't just like some finance account that was like, Hey, I'm paying off my debt and I'm doing this and that. It was just a normal person doing right. something with a normal person income, that's right. just an everyday person. So I thought that was really important for me. And that's why I decided to document it. Um, and I also used it. I started to use it as a way to um, explain these little things that I never knew. Um, so sometimes mm-hmm. I'll say something and I'll, and I'll just think like, wow, this is so basic. But then I remember like two or three years ago, I didn't know that at all. So I know that there are people out there that don't too. Um, so I pretty much use that as my platform to document what I'm doing um, in hopes that people see that. And then they say, hey, I can do that too, because Bernie's doing it. She's a normal person. Why can't I do it? Um, so that's pretty much why I started it. Uh, my death journey began with the minimalists. I don't know if you're familiar with them, but yes. they, yeah, I started listening to their podcast and they had a few money podcasts and I've always been a very big numbers person, but I've never really dived into like budgeting and figuring out like how much money I owed or what I could do to pay it off. Or I just didn't really think about that stuff. I didn't really, I didn't really care. I just, it just wasn't something that was on my brain. So when I listened to their money podcast, everything that they were saying, I was like, oh, wow, that sounds really cool. Like, I want to do this. I want to start a budget. I want to count stuff because I was always a math person. And you don't have to be a math person, but it was just something that drew me to it. Right. Um, So from there, yeah. Mm -hmm. So from there, I just, I started budgeting and I was like, hey, yeah, yeah, I can do this. Um, But it didn't pick up until, um, so I was in school for accounting and I took a personal finance class. And so that was when it really, really, really clicked to me that like, okay, I need to do something about the situation that I'm in because I didn't, I didn't even really like recognize what I was doing. Like, like I said, with my car, like I thought it was just, oh, I have a $441 payment, you know, it's whatever. Um, that's normal. That's what people do. And with my student loans, I was like, okay, like I'm taking 10,000 
$15,000 in student loans, whatever. That's what people do. That's what you got to do to go to college. And yeah. so it never really like clicked to me until I took my personal finance class after having listened to the minimalist and stuff, which is something that I know most people don't even like have the opportunity to be exposed to that kind of thing in college. Um, but because I was doing accounting, that was something that, um, that was something that I learned and that I took a little bit more serious because of the, the field. That's awesome. I feel like even sometimes even when you study some sort of financial major, like, you know, financial, whatever, finance or business or even accounting, even in those cases, a lot of times students that people that study that still don't get access to a personal finance class. So I feel like you were, even though you think like, oh, it's because I studied accounting. Now, nah, girl, you were actually just yeah. lucky because even uh, still there are tons <laughs> of colleges that have all the accounting yeah. classes, all the business, the entrepreneurship, all the whatever, and no personal finance class on the roster. So I feel like, yeah, you lucked out. You lucked out. Where did you do accounting? What school did you go to? Um, I went to California College in San Diego. So it was a really small, um, really small school, and they kind of focused on things like that, like real life classes and courses. Um, I think that that's one of the things, man. A lot of people they get so obsessed with huge, these big colleges, these big state schools. They want to go into the dream school, and it's like sometimes those smaller schools that you know people underestimate the value of the education because they have classes that are really out you know out of not necessarily out of the box but like not usually available at other colleges that might be whatever bigger that might be more popular because the thing is those little schools like they have so much value to draw people in if your school is much smaller like under the radar take advantage and look for courses that usually you don't see and those are gonna be the classes that will you know really make your education i feel like i wish i just wish because i had all these classes all of a sudden i'm like oh international this oh education policy oh this it's like oh it sounds so fancy what is it doing for me today in my day-to-day life the fact that i took ed policy classes the fact that i understand how education policy takes thousands of years to work and to get changed <laughs> like it doesn't, now i learned it and it, yes it, i get it but it is it, you know i just really wish i had something like a personal finance that's hands-on it's going to help yeah. me with my everyday life so yeah that was definitely one of the like biggest things that i think changed the course of what i was doing because it really put me on that okay like now's the time i need to look at my student loans i need to look at this and i need to figure out what i'm going to do um and that's pretty much do you remember if you knew your student loan interest rate before you took that class no and i think i i think i understood that i was taking out a lot of money (laughs) and i and i knew that but because it was so normal i didn't second guess it i was just kind of like i'm just gonna graduate college and then whatever happens happens um but once i started doing that and i finally decided to take personal finance a little more seriously. Even after that class, I started listening to podcasts. And that's when I started documenting my journey. And I took it upon myself to learn these things that I was never taught because I just, you know, my parents were never taught these things. That's right. The last thing, you know, the last thing on their mind was probably teaching me about money. You know, they they just didn't know themselves to, to be able to teach me. So, that's um, right. yep, yep, so yep. that was definitely, definitely the kicker. That's what got it all started. And um, from there, I just, we listed a budget. We wrote, we wrote a budget down. Uh, we figured out our how much debt we had in total, and it like really, 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 really shocked me. Um, we were over eighty thousand dollars in debt, Ooh, and you and your husband combined. Yes, but it was most. It was mostly me. <laughs> I was I was like, let's move on with more debt because uh, I have a feeling you just talk about a new car and your college student loans, like yeah. Mm-hmm. 
No, yeah. it was definitely mostly me because because of school. Um, my husband was in the military, so he didn't have to um, pay for school. So that was not something that we had to worry about for him. Um, he had his car and then credit cards, um, and that was pretty much it. We didn't have a lot of credit card debt because uh, I think both of us are naturally um, low-maintenance people, I guess you would say. We're not frugal. Um, I wouldn't call us frugal because I like nice things when I do like things if that yeah. makes sense um, but yeah. I don't like a lot of things so that's I think yeah it, minimal it balances right yeah. so I, that's why it's like minimalism was probably per- was probably perfect for you as your first draw yeah. into all of this stuff Definitely. because it sounds like you guys are very minimal people though you do care about your high quality things but obviously in in small amounts so actually while you were talking I was curious I'm like I feel like I kind of I think like 441 is actually not far from the average car payment or whatever, but I didn't know. So I just looked it up and it's the average monthly car payment in the United States is $550 for a brand new vehicle. So you were about 110 under. Uh, but if you have a used vehicle, people who have a, u- a used vehicle usually still have a payment because a lot of people cannot afford to pay uh, even for a used vehicle f- with folk in cash. So if you have a used vehicle, it's $393. And then if you lease a car, then you're at $452 a month. So you were paying basically close to what the lease, what the average payment for a lease car is, even though you bought a brand new car and owned it. So I guess that's where you probably yeah. people at the dealership probably like to show you those numbers and tell you, you got a great deal. You're getting a oh, brand new yeah. car for this much or that, but you know, they don't really tell you over time how it, you know, what, how it accumulates, how the interest accrues. And, you know, Americans like, it's just like trillions of dollars that people owe just from auto loans, like, which is crazy because everybody talks so much about student loans, trillions of dollars in student loans, trillions of dollars in this kind of debt and that kind of debt. But a car, cars is one of the car loans is one of them. And it's because of the lack of education, teaching people that there's no reason why you should go and get a brand new car fresh off the lot, especially if it's your first purchase of a car this is the this is the car you're going to use to practice driving this is a car you're going to use to get good at driving like make it a hoop d and upgrade when you're actually a really good driver and have a better financial situation if you really desperately want to upgrade it but uh but you know i I don't think these things are talked about like you said like you know your parents didn't teach you these things a lot of people don't talk about these things so how are you supposed to know yeah Um, all right cool so let's let's go back a little bit because I want to learn about your upbringing. I always feel like people's money stories, even though they don't might not realize it, are rooted there. And you talked a lot about being minimal, which I wonder if it comes from your mom and dad or from like something that you experienced growing up. So tell us about like, wh- what was it like growing up? I know you grew up in the Bronx. You ended up going to San Diego for school, obviously, because you just shared that. But talk about what, what early memories do you have related to money or early lessons that you learned about money when you were growing up? Yeah, so my... Parents, well, so like you said, I grew up in the Bronx. I was born and raised in the Bronx, and my parents were never together. So they, um, they were kind of just like had me, and we're not together anymore. So, um, or happily, yeah, but yeah, but I did, um, I did. So I kind of grew grew up in kind of like a split home. So uh, my mom and my dad are actually both very, very different, um, and I get my simplicity from my dad, and not so much from my mom. So I think I just kind of got both views of like two different the opposite sides of the spectrum and then I kind of decided that living more simply was more for me Mm -hmm. um but yeah so I grew up in a low-income family um my mom uh she works in the city um since I was a kid since I was born practically and you know she definitely did everything that she uh could to 
support us and always had a roof over our heads. We never had to worry about food or anything like that, but we were definitely raised lower income. Um, But I think that a lot of my maybe simplicity uh, from my dad comes into into play in my life now. But for my mom's kind of, uh, I would say I get a lot of my mom's work work ethic. Yeah, she's definitely. um, I've never like not seen my mom working, and so Mm -hmm. and I like a lot of the women in my life. Um, actually like the older woman in my life I've always seen women working and that's definitely a very big uh, thing for me like my mom always even though she didn't go to college she always made sure that like education was really important and yeah. she wanted me to go to school and when I moved to California so I actually moved to California to um, to be with my then boyfriend who is now my husband and um, when I went to California, she was super supportive. Like, obviously, a parent will miss you, but she was really supportive because she knew that there was more out there for me um, to explore and to, to be in a place that um, I've actually always wanted to live. When I was in high school, I wanted to move to California, and that was always, like, my big thing. But I didn't end up moving until I was 21. 20, I would think I was 22. Um, that was the year that I moved to California. Um, and she was very supportive of that. And... Yeah, I think that, like, I love New York, and New York is, like, obviously one of the greatest cities ever, <laughs> but... You have to I, say that because uh, we both New Yorkers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, like, I, I also knew that I was, like, my personality was just different than um, than a New Yorker. So, like, I, I love California, and I think that it was more me, more laid back, more chill, more... Um, I think New York, like I always found myself in high school, even though I didn't, like, I've never really cared about these things, like looking like, of course I like to be cute, but I've never really cared about wearing like designer and this and that. That's just never been me. And I get that, that some people like that. Some people genuinely value and like that, but that's never been me. But I always felt like I had to kind of like fit in in that way in New York. Um, And so that was always really hard for me because I didn't want to, but but I always felt like everyone was around me was doing it. And I kind of like had to like, look this part and always be this kind of person um and when i'm in california it was completely different yeah i feel like in new york there's especially if you go to a public high school in new york city did you go to public high school here in new york yeah Yeah. Mm -hmm. i feel like public high schools in new york city it's like a a certain culture like i I mean i don't even know how to explain it it's nothing like what you see in mean girls it's nothing like what you see like it's nothing like that and like in a lot of those schools you see like everybody's so different everybody's like coming from all these different places you have like no 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 new york city everybody is the same every single person cares about being (laughs) popular and wearing name brands and like being seen and being cool and you know and and it's like because everybody takes the train together all the time to get to and from school there's it gets exacerbated because you spend a lot of time with each other going to school going back home and get to see what each other's wearing and what the brands are and what other kids got and it's just I don't for some reason it's just all you really care about as a teenager when you give into that like culture is like the brand names, what everyone's wearing, how much money that costs. And it's just, it's so infectious too. So like, even if you genuinely don't care, like Brittany, like you clearly don't care about this stuff, but you had to pretend you cared. So just to be in with the end crowd like that. And I felt like that in middle school, I felt like that in high school, but actually in middle school, I felt like that a lot in high school, it had already bled into 
who I was and I actually cared about it. Like, but in middle school, I didn't care about it. I was just pretending. But by the time I got to high school, oh, trust me, I was, I cared and I wanted the brand. <laughs> they, had, they had gotten to me, you know what I mean? So, but yeah. eventually when I got older, I, I didn't care anymore. But I think I went back to like how I originally was. Um, but just because of the money, like I was just saying like, okay, pay for brand names is too expensive. And it's not even about quality. It's about the brand and showing off the, you know, whatever. So I feel like I kind of learned that later, but. Okay, so it sounds like in your house, you really saw sort of a two totally separate, uh, I don't know if the word is like even related to financial, but just lifestyles, right? Like two totally yeah, different exactly. approaches to life. And you sort of like one of them hit more with you, which was your dad. And uh, yeah, your vibe is definitely very chill for a New Yorker. Like a girl from the Bronx, usually like talk fast, moving fast, snap, snap, snap. Brittany is, Brittany is like definitely a New Yorker who belonged in Cali. So it makes yeah. so much sense. Wow. It makes so much sense. Yeah. Okay. So then you, you move to Cali, you get a new car, you eventually marry your husband. You guys decide to join all of your finances. And now you guys are like serious at tackling this debt. And then you decided to create an online platform or brand, according to my calculation, to share that with other people, which makes a lot of sense because you were already sharing it with, you know, people that, you know, your family and friends, and they were looking at it like, oh, wow, that's what Brittany's doing. Um, so that, that makes sense. It kind of like evolved to the point where now you're sharing, you're sharing that there. Well, first of all, I have to talk about the fact that you're going to be a new mommy before I, before I give you the last question, because for those of you that didn't know, or if you already know Brittany, you probably knew because she's been posting her progress, uh, her updates on, um, I guess it is progress to, you know, cook the baby. Um, <laughs> Right. Um, but yeah, she's been posting updates and pics and stuff. So congratulations on um, almost being a real full up mommy with a baby in your hands very soon. Uh, but how do you think your life is? How do you think or just maybe some early things that you've already sort of put in place and planning your budget and you know, talked about with your husband? What are some ways you think that the baby is going to change your financial world? Because it's going to be fun once you go back after this comes out to listen back one day and like once the baby's already here and then you're going to see what you thought things would be like for you. And I just think that, that I would just <laughs> love to provide that for you. So what do you think um, is going to be the main thing that's going to change when the baby comes um, specifically when it comes to your finances? I think that m my budget, just in general, my budget is going to change completely. Um, I, because these are the kind of things I do for fun. I've already created like a mock budget for when the baby comes and like trying to figure out like what is it going to cost every month uh, for diapers, for food, like whatever the case is. And putting that um, into my budget and kind of saying, okay, this is probably, I compare our income to like what we're making now. I mean, it could go up, it could go down, but I compared it to what we're making now. And I just threw a baby budget in there. I'm like, okay, we're going to spend this much probably on the baby this month. Don't know yet, uh, but it gave me like a good estimate. I also made sure to make another one for like when I'm on paid family leave because you don't make as much money when you're on paid family leave. So oh, that's a conversation for another podcast though. But um, yeah, that's, that's so, so thorough though. So you have literally like multiple budgets to predict what your situation is going to be like in the future with the baby. Yeah. So I, so I did that. Um, and luckily I'm able to get four months off, um, which is really nice. Uh, so I'll be able to spend that time and not have to worry about daycare um, for that time. Uh, and then my husband will get two, two and a half months after um, so I set that plan in my head. I'm like, okay, this is what I'm going to make on pay family leave. This is what Leo will continue to make. This is what I'll make on pay family leave and how all that will look. So yeah, I pretty much just made that, uh, budget, what everything will look like from each point of the, I guess, when the baby comes. <laughs> um, and then what it'll look like when I roll back to work 
and when the baby's in daycare. So I'm kind of estimating daycare numbers right now because I don't really know, but um, it's expensive. And I kind of didn't <laughs> really think that it would be, but um, as expensive as people would say, I kind of was just hoping people were being a little bit dramatic, but no, they're not. Um, they're it's really not. expensive. They're not. You are so, buying, you're, you're buying uh, two brand new cars. <laughs> yeah, basically, <laughs> basically, yeah. But yeah. luckily, like throughout this whole journey, we've been able to live off of half of our income most months. Nice. So once, yeah, so once we're, we're um, in that position, I think that will, I think that will be okay. I mean, it does hurt my heart a little bit, but I think that will be okay. And it helped me um, mentally, I think, to know that financially um, it will be obviously a little bit tighter than it was without a baby, but it's still manageable. And I think that that helps me a lot to know that, um, that finances will change, but it won't change to the point where we can't do it. And it's so stressful because I think that that's, I think obviously finances in general play such a big role in families. Um, but the fact that we're able to like say, okay, this is, this is how it's going to be. And we've worked our way to this point with paying off our debt and being able to save money. Um, and now that we're having the baby, we feel a lot more secure. And I feel like it takes away a lot of stress from being a parent. I mean, there's definitely more stresses than just financial when it comes to being a new mom, but that mm -hmm. not having that at the back of my mind really helps. Yeah. Um, but with, so with the pregnancy itself, we spent so much money on like just medical. Um, I have a high deductible health plan and we've spent about, uh, $1,500 within the past like four months. So we're like averaging four, four or five hundred dollars a month just on medical. And that's been like a little crazy to see, but we have our HSA that I get with my job and they've contributed to my HSA, which has been great. Um, and I've been putting money aside of, out of my paychecks to put that for medical as well. Cause I know that that's going to be another huge expense too. But other than that, I mean, I think just having those budgets and figuring out what everything is going to look like at every mm -hmm. stage um, was really, really, really helpful for me. That's awesome. I think I saw, for those of you who heard um, Brittany just talk about right now how she has an HSA, if you didn't know what that is, that's a high yield save, oh, high yield savings account, I'm bugging. That's a health <laughs> savings account. Um, a health savings account is basically uh, an investment account, or you can actually open one at a bank now yourself, which I didn't even realize until recently. But generally speaking, when your job offers it as a perk, it's generally an account where it is invested and the money that comes into it is before taxes. And then whatever you put in, your job will usually put in as well. So it's kind of like a retirement plan, but it's meant specifically for your health and generally does not have like as much money in there. Usually you wouldn't try to put like, you know, 10% uh, of your income in there. I mean, some people may might do that, but it's generally just, think, yeah. you know, another thing. But, I think it definitely yeah, depends on what stage you are. Like when it comes to like, like I likely wouldn't be contributing this much to my HSA had I, if I wasn't pregnant, but because I know that these medical expenses are coming up, it's, uh, it's I know I'm gonna use it and so it's beneficial to me because it comes out pre-tax um and that's just less to to think about and worry about when it's coming out of my paycheck um and then there definitely the the benefits that come with having an HSA like my my employer contributed one time at the beginning um and that's covered half of my cost so far 
again, I don't know. I can't say it enough. A lot of like very relatable down to earth content coming from Brittany. She literally has like about to be 11,000 followers. <laughs> so, I mean, obviously it's helpful. Thank you so much for just, you know, setting aside time today to talk to us, to get so personal and tell us about like your journey, you know, what your projections are when baby comes, everything that you've gone through with your husband and getting your budget together and getting your, your finances in order so you guys could become debt free, um, admitting to some of your mistakes, buying cars and like going out <laughs> and spending a lot of money. Um, but being honest about like where, where you value, you know, things and where you're not willing to like, you know, kind of cut corners and where you do put money because it brings you joy. I, I really love people being honest about stuff like that and just, you know, being raw, being real. Like there's no need to pretend everybody's as frugal 100% like let, just be be the way that you are and people really feel inspired by that. The way that I've been wrapping up these interviews, which has been really fun, is there is going to be a dollar bill that I'm going to put together in Photoshop with your face on it. And then above your face is going to be your money motto or your money mantra, money message, whatever you want to call it. But basically, every time people touch money, every time they see money, every time they have money, they're going to see this message. So what would your money message be? Um, I would say uh, my money message would be if someone was looking at this every time they wanted to spend money, I would say, does this purchase align with who you are? So mm -hmm. are you buying something because you feel like you should have it or you feel like other people think you should have it? Or is it because this is actually the person that you are? And it takes some time to figure out what who that is for are. you. It definitely yeah. took me some time, but I think it's important to know and to figure out for yourself if the things that you are purchasing aligns with the person that you are. Yes. I love that so much because it, it, well, first of all, there's two parts to that. First, it's, you know, thinking about the purchase. And the second part is thinking about who you are and then figuring yeah. out if they match. And for me, it took me a long time to finally admit that I'm not that girl. I'm not that girl who goes to the salon and get tips. I'm not that girl who pays to have a haircut. I'm not that girl who is going to go get eyebrows threaded every week. I'm not that girl. Like there yeah. were things that I wanted to pretend I cared about just so I could look like X, Y, Z. And it's just like, I finally let go of the pressure to look at a certain way it was like no that's just not me and once I did that it became much easier to answer that question or your, your money model became easier for for me personally so I really like that one does this purchase align with who you are ask yourself that every time you bought to Amazon one click buy okay it's not, <laughs> it's not just these dollars out here it's also online purchases people yeah um love that love that all right so again for those of you who don't know at Brit Polanco, all one word, no spaces, no dashes, no gaps, no nothing, no periods, points, nothing on Instagram. Go follow her, go support her. And if you heard this episode and found out about Brittany for the very first time from this, please reach out to Brittany and tell her that she inspired you with her story and with her realness, because I don't know, I don't want to speak for you, Brittany, but I tend to really like when people reach out to me and let me know that I inspired them. I do. I yeah. All right. So you heard it from her. She said, it's cool. Reach out to her, let her know. And, um, and yeah, thank you, Brittany. This was so fun. This was so great. I knew you would just be open and open book about everything. So that's why I wanted to make sure to have you on. And, um, I just can't wait for, to see some pictures on Instagram of the baby. I know. I was so excited. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Brittany.